Welcome to Ravel Radio, where we're all about making it easier and more fun to build a business. Join your host, Kara Steinman, for candid conversations with fellow women entrepreneurs and experts about mindset, business strategy, networking, marketing, and more. Welcome back, Ravelers. Here's another episode of Ravel Radio for you. I'm your host, Kara Steinman, and today... Jessica Osborne has been kind enough to join me for a conversation exploring unconventional paths to expertise, how, how to redefine networking, and how to find your niche for both growth and variety, because nobody wants to be bored in their business. Jessica's journey is truly inspiring. After two decades in the marketing industry, she took a leap of faith, leaving her executive position to venture into the online business world. That is not for the faint of heart, people. Today, she spearheads a thriving global community of professionals who have transformed into successful entrepreneurs. Jessica believes strongly in adopting a less work, more life approach to business strategy. Throughout the episode, she'll share valuable insights and practical tips on how coaches and consultants can build simple, profitable businesses that empower them to lead flexible, family-first lifestyles while unlocking unlimited earning potential. Let's hear from Jessica. I'm good. How are you? I'm great. I think we were going to talk about niching. You yeah, that's your specialty. That's that's kind of your jam, right? Well, it's something I love to talk about and um I've had a lot of success with and I think that yeah, we need to talk about it more because most people really retract from it. They yeah. Have a lot of fear. They reject it. <laughs> they don't want to do it until they yeah. know that they do and then they still have trouble with it. So I'm like you know what, it doesn't have to be that hard. And I think I come at it from a different perspective than some other people do out there as well. Let's start there then, because I, you know, I'm all about niching. I'm in, I'm in a hundred percent. And, and yet I don't think about it the same way that I think a lot of people who are fearful of niching are thinking about it. So you and I are probably more aligned on this, but I'd love to hear what do you think is the misconception when people are coming and they're saying, niching is bad. We're, we're afraid of niching. We don't want to do it. What is, what is the disconnect? Yeah, the, the real primary, and I think it's a primal thing that actually is coming from deep within our subconscious. It is this thought that niching means less. So it means we're going smaller. It means less opportunity. And of course, when we're in business for ourselves, you know, you want, well, you're, you're looking out there thinking, I see all of this possibility, all of this opportunity. So many people I could help. I want to help them all. Like, I'm going to have this amazing business with thousands of clients or whatever it is. Maybe we're not always thinking thousands, but we're thinking, well, we don't want to cut off some of these opportunities out there because that's not going to be good for our business, is it? And why would we limit ourselves? <laughs> why would you want to do that? Exactly. Um, so I think, you know, that makes sense when, you know, and, and saying that you're probably sitting there thinking, well, that makes perfect sense. Of course. Well, why would we want to do that? Until we kind of take that thought and then we examine it from the other perspective. And it's like, well, it's not actually about becoming smaller or having less opportunity. I actually believe niching creates more opportunity because what you're doing by specializing which is to me the definition of niching is actually specializing as opposed to being broad in general. When you specialize, you rise up above the cloud of all of these other people. You know, with so many people with a business, especially if you're in a, you know, you're a solopreneur, you're in an online service-based space like we all are, um, there are thousands and thousands and thousands, who knows how many across the world. We're all online, you know, the barriers have, been, have dropped so much and we're working globally. So there is a huge cloud, a crowd. It's clouded 
the marketplace is foggy. No one can see anybody, you know, the wood for the trees because there's so many people in there. And so when you specialize, you get that ability to rise up above that cloud into that beautiful blue sky space, you know, where the airplanes fly and there's nothing much up there. It's like, wow, here I am. Now people can see me. Now I can be found. Now I can attract those people who are really aligned to me. And you're probably still thinking, but no, do I want to do that? Because what about all those other ones? It's like, yes, but how many clients do you really need to have to hit your targets and goals? Is it 10 in a year? Is it 100 in a year? Even still, like that means that you don't need access to millions of people in the market. You only need access to maybe thousands at most. And if it's only 10 people in a year, probably hundreds. <laughs> you know, you don't need a lot of people in your scope of the market to find the success that you want in business. And that's really what we're here for, right? We're not here to serve absolutely everybody who could possibly need us. We're here to run a business that we enjoy, that we love, that fits with us and probably where you're working at your highest value. And to me, that is through your specialization. That is at your highest value. You can't be operating at your highest value if you're just doing a service that's something that you can do. Yeah, you can do it, but it's not lighting you up. It's not the best skill that you have. It's just something you're doing to get paid. Well, that's just a job. <laughs> you know, you created yeah. a job for yourself. <laughs> yeah. And that's a, that's a place I think a lot. I've, I've been stuck there where I, I said, well, I can do that. I learned how to do that. I know how to do that or whatever, but is that really, I heard a lot of people get stuck in their zone of, um, zone of excellence. Mm -hmm. Like there's those four zones. There's their zone of genius, zone of excellence, zone of competence and zone of incompetence. And like, we definitely want to stay out of our zones of incompetence, right? Um, (laughs) or competence even. We don't want to just be okay, but there's a difference between your zone of excellence and your zone of genius too. So like yeah. we we can refine even specialties down to something that's really, really special and really good. And then you get to charge more. Absolutely. Well, that's the thing. It's like once you look at it that way, it's a total no-brainer. Because if you leave behind all of the things that, yes, you can do, you can provide that service, therefore you could get paid for it, versus what you're really great at, where you're absolutely lit up, where the results that you get for your clients are at that highest level guess what? You're a specialist and you're then able to charge at that specialist rate and they expect you to. They actually would not trust your services if you were charging at a low rate, which means there might be other people out there that are doing it, but they've chosen it's something that they could do and it's not really their thing. Um, You know, you can rise up above them. You can be the specialist in that area and, you know, claim that authority, which is maybe something else that people fear a little bit as well. I think, um, you know. Oh, that's an, let's talk about that. <laughs> let's talk about that. It, why, oh, why, why are we afraid to claim our yeah. authority? I, I have had this problem. <laughs> well, Recently. I think that this is probably a female thing more, more so than males. Um, and I believe it's, you know, we grow up and it's so much about the society we grow up in and we are very aware in our feminine state of other people's judgment. And I think that we tend to be much more sensitive to what we perceive people might judge us as. And so it's this whole fear of, well, if I step into my authority, like claim that authority and be the specialist, 
you know, I'm really putting my hand up and saying I'm something pretty awesome and, and I'm, I'm great at this, which is big noting myself or boasting or saying that I'm amazing. And what if I'm actually not? And what if they think I'm just some kind of big headed, arrogant person and I don't want to be that? And so oh, we've yeah. got all this stuff that's going on inside our heads, maybe not even consciously, but just in the background. So I think we retract from that, like, do I really want to be an authority? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure I remember my mom and probably my dad saying, don't be braggy. Don't brag. You know, when you grow up, you hear the message that it's not okay to brag, that that's not a good person doesn't brag. Braggy people are not people who pe other people like. And so, you know, that's floating around in your subconscious. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it totally, it starts from childhood. You know, we get told, you might say, hey, I'm, I'm the best at this. And your parents might be like, oh, well, you know, <laughs> maybe don't say that because other people are good or you might, they might be thinking, well, what if then you're not the best and you get all upset? They probably come at it from a place of love for you. But then the message we take is we shouldn't tell people that we're good at something <laughs> because we've been told that as a five-year-old and we just took that on that we took that message on yeah. board without even knowing what the context was that our parents said it to us in. Yeah, because it's yeah. subconscious, it's our five year old brain making that decision, not our adult brain that knows that it's okay to be an expert and that people who yes. are good at things should, you know, stand up and offer those services because people need those services. Exactly. And I think expert, interestingly, is another word that people really struggle with. Mm -hmm. So if you are feeling that, like, you know, I'm not sure if I have authority or if I could be an authority on something, you probably also think I can't call myself an expert. And this is something I find really interesting to look into because it's like, what is it that you perceive an expert to be? Do you think that you need to be the number one person in your whole industry? And who is that anyway? How could you tell who is the number one person? <laughs> like, is it because they've written books? Is it because they've uh, been there so many years? Like, what is it that they've done? Um, and it's so interesting because when you look up in the dictionary, the definition of an expert or expertise is experience in something. So a, a lot of knowledge or experience. It is not qualifications. So you don't need to go out and go, well, I need, you know, to get more qualifications so that I can be an expert in this. Like, actually, that is not the definition of an expert. <laughs> I need six more certifications before I can claim expert. Yeah. I love that you just said the definition of the word. I'm always looking up the definition because I think we add meaning to words that is not mm -hmm. actually in there. It's like cultural flavor layered on top of these meanings for whatever time we're living in. And it's like, wait, let's go back and look what that actually means. I'm struggling with the word networking right now because of that, because people know what networking means, but there's this icky kind of gloss yeah. on top of it. And, um, yes. <laughs> and it's actually about relationships, but, um, and building a network, but we kind of get the image, mental image straight away in my mind with, you know, one of those business events where everyone's walking around handing out their business cards, close <laughs> talking at you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, totally. It's like, but oh, just not interested in that. <laughs> the expert thing is so, that's so interesting that that's what it means. It means you're good at something. Like, okay, so I'm an expert guacamole maker. <laughs> that is what yeah, people ask me to make. Guacamole for years, you are an expert at guacamole but making. <laughs> I may not even had, have to have had been making it for years. I might have just gotten lucky and I'm good at making guacamole, but somebody else down the street might also be really good at making guacamole and they're an expert too. We probably do it differently. We may yeah. not approach it the same way. It may taste totally different, but we still can call each other. We can be an expert in our own right. Yes. That's interesting. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's a, it's just 
that you have a level of knowledge or you've got experience and that gives you expertise in it. Um, because as we all know, I mean, gosh, if you you probably went through uni like I did. Yeah. You learn theory. You don't know anything until you actually start working. It's like it is actually the experience of doing the work that gives you the expertise. It doesn't matter what the textbook said because you go into real life, you're like, oh, it's not kind of really like that, actually. That's I, really great in theory, but it doesn't work in real life. So I I kind of went, well, it's not really that valuable. The value is actually in the doing. <laughs> that you know was where you really built that. What's ironic about that is that I wonder, I feel like sometimes I'm afraid to call myself an expert because what if I say something wrong or what if I make a mistake after I have proclaimed my expertise? But I don't think I even, you know, you're talking about the theory versus the reality. I don't think I started really learning about my craft and, and what I do until I started making mistakes. I, I learn more from my mistakes than anything else. So like maybe we should just. Maybe we should count up how many times we've made massive mistakes. And like the more mistakes you've made, the more bigger an expert you are. (laughs) Which probably just means that you've been doing it for longer, right? Because it takes time to make mistakes. It does. (laughs) And you're going to have some wins along the way. But, you know, that is really where expertise comes from is because you've made the mistakes. You've learned the lessons. You've had the experience. You've found what works, what doesn't work. And yeah, you can always jump through some of those. You can get to that place faster than other people it always depends on how quick you learn <laughs> how quick you you know how many mistakes you're prepared to make are you playing in the safe lane not making any mistakes and they're only taking things that are very risk averse or are you going well hey i'm just going to give this a go and what if it fails well, so what what if it does fail um and it's yeah. a bit like that you know that's how you build that expertise and you don't have to be the number one renowned person in the whole world <laughs> in a topic to be call yourself the expert in it you are an expert and there's many experts and when you look around like well any topic that there are experts in they will all have their own version of what they believe in what they're what they think and they're not the same so guess what you can also be an expert with your perception your perspective and what you share and it doesn't have to align with what you know if you're in marketing we probably all know philip kotler because he wrote the five P's and we all studied that back in the day. Like it doesn't matter what he said. That's his opinion, <laughs> by yeah. the way. You know, he's just that's based on his experience and what he learned. And you can also be an expert in marketing and have a strategy and have your own framework and ideas around it. And it doesn't need to be anything aligned to what Philip Cutler had. You know, that that's not the it's not like it's the Bible because he said it <laughs> way yeah. back then. Um totally. you know, so I think I love that because when I kind of learned about that, I went, oh, my goodness, I can stop fearing this thing of like fearing to put myself out there and say that I am an expert in marketing. It's like, well, I've got tw- I went at the time I started this business, I had 20 years experience behind me. Oh, my God. Like, of course, I have expertise in marketing. That means that I can be an expert in it. And it was still really uncomfortable to give that label to use that yeah. word and I'm probably only just getting into that place now where I'm like well I'm, I feel way more comfortable with it and I'm happy to, to sort of say that I have that expertise but it's um it's a really interesting one so it's relative too. you only have to be an expert compared to the person you're serving so exactly. as long as you're a few steps ahead of the person that you're helping out you're an expert more yes. so than they are 
yeah and like you know no one knows it all either so it's like there Mm -hmm. is no there is no place that we need to get to like well I know this much now therefore I'm an expert like well we're all learning and I will continue like every day I'm still learning more about marketing about strategy about messaging about all of the parts that go into it and it's been you know it's now over 25 years and I'll continue to learn it I think as long as I keep on doing it I'll learn and learn and learn so there's never an end goal that you've got to get to or a milestone you've got to reach before you say well now I'm an expert it's like no well once you have a good handle on it and you really know your stuff and you've got the experience behind you you've got some experience behind you and doing it then you have expertise in it especially compared to somebody who has none at all so yeah I love that you know let's break down what those rules are there are no rules about this yeah. <laughs> um and I hear, you will know when you're at that point I think I hear I hear a lot of people saying that they're multi-passionate or maybe they're um it, they have a lot of things that they're really good at and they don't want to niche because they want to do all these things yeah. how do you manage that sort of mentality when they might even know that they would benefit from niching, but they also really want to keep those doors open because they enjoy the variety. Yeah. So I love this question because it's really common. You know, a lot of people have a lot of skills and passions and that's normal. We're humans. We are curious. We are interested in lots of things. No one's really designed just to think and be one thing. And so my reframe on that is when you're looking at your niche, it's not about just picking out one thing out of all the stuff that you do. For me, when I work with my clients, I really look at what are those things that you do best? What are those pieces that you really love to help people with? And is there some way that there's a synergy between them? Because often the best niche is actually one that you create. It's not one that already exists, that is out there, that someone else created, by the way. But it's one that you create yourself. And what better way to create it than to come at it from your own person and how your specific mesh of skills and expertise, maybe it's in a few different areas, you have that level of expertise. What if you combine them? What is that value that you can now offer when you combine these things? So to give an example, because I think this always I was just going to ask for one. (laughs) I was like, paint this picture for me. Well, I'll give you an example of a client of mine in a totally different area because it might just help us, you know, to, to visualize it. But she's in the health and wellness space. So she is a, a coach. Um, she does Reiki. She does breath work and meditation, but she's also a nutritional coach, holistic wellness. There's a whole lot of stuff going on. And so she was sort of like, Oh, I'm over here with Reiki sessions and I'm here trying to sell breath work and I'm here doing some um, nutrition, functional nutrition and all of these things. And I said to her, well, what if, is it the same person that would benefit from all of these? And she's like, yeah, absolutely. And I'm like, well, what if we combine it all into one (laughs) and you actually offer your clients all of that instead of just one part of it at a time? And yes, you can talk to the different things, but this actually becomes part of your unique framework as to the goal that they're trying to achieve is that better health, less stress, being able to, you know, fit in health into their busy lifestyles. She works with entrepreneurs. And it's like, well, the beautiful thing was it, even though they were separate, they all did merge together to be able to then provide a really unique offering that was really holistic in terms of wellness for the body and mind. 
um, for her particular clients. So, so it's about packaging it the way that you package it and yeah. maybe who you're packaging it for. So like, I've always kind of thought of the niche part as like the who and the specialty as the what, but you can kind of combine those too, because it doesn't, it's not black and white and it's not two dimensional. Yeah. You're saying, you know, make it special. Maybe it's the process of how you get there in a certain way with a certain set of things or a framework that you develop. Yeah. Um, and this is brings me to something that, you know, I feel very strongly about. Again, this is my opinion. It's not the same as everybody's. You just said you always thought of the niche as the who. And other people have said to me they always think of the niche as the what. <laughs> I actually believe it is both of those combined. And then I add in the third element, which is you. Why you? Like it is actually where it comes from you. So when you take the what and the who and then you combine it with you, you actually get what I call it, your real niche. Like that is actually what it is because you can't separate the what and the who. You can't say, well, I'm a specialist in this area. That's my niche. It's like, well, for who? You know, even if you take something as, you know, just think, well, I'm a copywriter. Okay, that's my specialty. Or I love writing, um, you know, sales page copies. So here I'm niching down. Um, so you might be a sales page copywriter. That's for who? Because there's lots of different companies and types of people who might need a sales page. You're not going to be the best fit for all of them. So that's not your niche yet. You haven't actually defined your niche until you've integrated the who into it. Because it's like, why? What is it about the way that you do it? What is it that your specialty is in? Is it about the way that you deliver the copy? Is it about the, you know, you know, when you start thinking about the page, you know, this is where you bring you into it. The way that you do it, because of who you're working for and because of your skill there, that creates the niche. It's not just the thing. That's still one dimensional. You know, you really need to add in these three dimensions to get what I would call a niche that people go, wow, you are exactly the right person for me. That's exactly what I need. I love what you're saying. Bang, you're the one I'm signing up with. Otherwise, you're just like a product on a shelf. If you only go with the expertise, you know, I'm a, <clears throat> I'm an accountant or a bookkeeper, you know, even I'm a zero bookkeeper, whatever, you know, or I'm a, a copywriter or I'm a website designer. If you go down that level to, I work in only on WordPress, I work only, you're still a product on the shelf because so many people could say, well, I'm a WordPress web designer. I'm a WordPress web designer. So then you're like, got all these people who have the same expertise. And now what do people do? How do they choose you? Well, they probably start reverting to looking at your pricing because you've just created yourself as just a product on the shelf. Commodity. The, the next one, right? Whereas if you say, well, I'm a WordPress web designer for X and, you know, whatever type of business it is that you help and you really know how to build them the exact type of website that they need. So whether it's, um, you know, e-commerce stores, a certain type of e-commerce store even. Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe yeah. health and wellness e-commerce stores. So I'm a WordPress web designer for health and wellness e-commerce stores that are owned by women. You, you know, you're starting to feel like, wow, I'm actually now imagining what it is that you do. I've now got a picture in my head because I can see what it might look like. And maybe then even you think about, well, what is your special way of doing it? What is your secret sauce? Because you can add that in to what it is. Maybe it's like, you know, you specialize in a certain type of 
the, you know, something to do with the website and how you design it um, that makes it really great. So maybe it's a high converting or, or really searchable, you know, you get really work on the SEO elements or whatever that is for you, that's starting to bring you into it. Can you see how that went from being something that was just generic, even though you think it was specialized, being WordPress web design, not just any old web design, yeah. it's still yeah. so high up, it's still so broad, it's still so one-dimensional. You need to, to bring in these other three, other two elements to make three. That makes a lot of sense. And I'm a, I'm in total agreement. I think we leave ourselves out of the equation and we are the most important thing about this whole process. Like when we deliver something as a service provider, we're we are the product a lot of, in a lot of ways. And, and so much of it's hard to, it brings to mind designers. There's a lot of like web designers right now, Mm -hmm. uh, especially after COVID. It seems like there's a lot, a glut of digital providers. Right. And I have always had a really hard time referring designers unless I've worked with them before. Yeah. Because when you work with, they might have a hard time they might have a hard time expressing why their process is special or, or why they get to the answers better than anybody else and express why their logos are better than anybody else's. Right. <laughs> They're like, I'm it's, it's 20 years of experience. That's why, but, but that's not it. Like, um, one of my friends, Erica Neubauer, she's a really amazing designer. She does logos exceptionally. She loves working with wineries. So if you're a winery, go talk to Erica Neubauer, but when I, I, I didn't know why she was special until she, I did a project with her and she did a logo for me. And it was her process. It was how she got to the design. She got it out of my head in a way that nobody else had been able to do before. Mm-hmm. And it was yeah. how she approached it and the way that she worked with me and made me feel like understood. And that there was something there that was very different from another, maybe another experience I would have had. And so yeah. it, it, it's hard to see ourselves. So how do we, how do you kind of talk to clients about seeing yourself clearly because we're inside the jar and we can't see the label a lot of times. (laughs) Look, um, it is a process, you know, this isn't something that you just get a worksheet and download it. You do it in 10 minutes and bang, you found it. You know, I call it peeling back the layers and there's a real series of questions, deep diving, thinking, it helps you to peel it all back and to really, you know, I think that you kind of bounce between the three elements a bit where you go deeper and deeper. And part of it is actually going, well, what is it not? Mm. What is it not about? What is not there? And then bringing in what, you know, what makes you different or special. I think it's such a hard question for people to answer. But, you know, some of the questions I've asked to my clients in the past, you know, something that they might be doing with me in business jammers they say well what is it when you look back on the clients that you've had the best experience with where you've really provided them with what you feel wow this was my highest value it was the best really great for me I loved it I felt like I was really fulfilled I was operating at that high level they loved it now what was it about that what do you think made that particular engagement that project special and it's quite interesting because sometimes what comes out is not what you're thinking because it's not the surface level <laughs> it's not the thing that's kind of in front of you that you think is what you're doing so for an example I've got a client who she was a um, voiceover artist I say was is um, <laughs> and she 
you know, she came in with those, you know, really, what would I call it? Like her industry was is very sort of narrow-minded and closed-minded. Like they've really got the blinkers on. There's only one way that you get bored. It's by the minute. Um, you're kind of in this big directory of all these other voices and people go in and find one that they like the sound of and they pick you. And so, of course, the pricing, because you're like in a catalogue, it's like you're pretty much pricing against all these other people. It's all very price-based. I, I really was like, wow, what was it about the clients that you've worked with that, you know, has been the best? And she said, well, it was actually the ones I worked with over the course of years. And I worked with them and I became the voice of their brand. And I know that while I was the voice of their brand, their sales are really good. And when they stopped using me and changed to someone else, their sales died. And I was like, aha. So what was it that was different? Because when someone's buying you just for a minute or two to do a voiceover of a video, that's just an output. But when you're working with someone over the course of years and you're actually really working with them, you've actually defined you know, their brand voice and how you sound and how that is part of their business now your voice is actually part of their brand that is what's actually unique and so working with her I helped her kind of realize wow she could step out of this place of charging by the minute and actually create a space that was totally unique because no one else was doing it and they actually laughed at her when she said I'm going to work with clients and be the strategic help them with their voice strategy and actually then either voice it myself or you know help them find the right voice for their brand but to be a brand voice strategist in terms of the audible voice that you can Yes. Use. Yeah. She, I love that. From, she works with like three clients per year now because she's working with them over the long term. She's not charging by the minute. She's like, right, here's a strategic package. We're going to work together. And, and she's much more like a consultant, but she can also do the delivery. Can you see like the power in changing from that? going from a catalogue of thousands to being something quite unique and special and she, you know, knew exactly who she wanted to work with, the type of business, and reached out. She really, you know, was booked up <laughs> as in she doesn't need to hit three clients. She works with one at a time. She's booked up well in advance. And I, you know, I just love sharing her story because um, that's, that's amazing. absolute power of niching. And it was really about her. Like, what is it that you're bringing to it? Not about how well you, your voice is or how how many different um, <laughs> layers you can make your voice go or how many different types of output you can do. Like anyone in that catalog can say it, all that stuff. It's not the technical music. It's not the technical aspect mm. of what you're doing. It's not your expertise. Your voice isn't more expert than someone else maybe. But yeah, I, and I love that because it circles us back to kind of what we were talking about before we started recording mm. and and the the fear that people have, our hesitance as women – is it feels very black and white when someone says we have to niche and mm -hmm. that that's the way to do it. But you're approaching this, thinking about it in a different way. Um, we Before we started officially recording, <laughs> we were talking about masculine, the masculinity in business and know how that is. You said, you mentioned someone had told you just recently that business, a lot of business terms were based on military terms and mm. comp competition yeah. and that very masculine, hard, hard line black and white thinking yes and it's like that there's a finite amount in the market and you go out there against your competitors and you try to get market share like i've sat in boardrooms <laughs> with yeah you know the, the executive teams having all of these conversations and being in them and it's like well it, we don't even need to be thinking that way it's so i think counterproductive for us because 
when you create your own niche, you're actually creating your own space. You're not out there trying to get market share from someone else or trying to steal someone else's clients. There are clients that are right for you. All you need to do is make sure they can identify you because they're out there looking right now and they're probably like, well, I'm really looking for someone that knows and understands my business, right? As a Mm -hmm. client, you want someone who's going to be the right fit for you, no matter what service you're buying. You want someone who gets you, who's easy to work with, who understands your business. And, you know, if it's design-wise, I know when I used to be, um, you know, like there's so many different types of designers, it really is about finding that one that's the right fit for you, that you're on that same energetic level and the design that they do for you feels exactly right for your brand. The only way they're going to be able to find you is if you're able to say and and be clear there for them, like clearly put yourself out there and say, this is who I am, this is what I do and who I work with. And that special element that comes through, well, it makes you stand out. So you're now able to be seen by those people who are looking and they no longer have to wade through all of these other, you know, ones that aren't the right fit for them, searching, searching, searching. And that's not about anybody other than you and what you do best, the energy you bring to what you're doing and how you do it and why you do it. And like you said earlier, also the person that you are most ideally suited to serve because you just touched on clients, the type of clients that you want to work with. And I think we've all had the experience of working with clients who were just a nightmare for no good reason. We couldn't figure out why. They were just never happy with anything we did. They pushed our boundaries. Some of that's probably just energy, different personalities, different. We're not on the same wavelength. Um, And that's like, okay, but that just means you get to niche. (laughs) You don't have to serve them. Exactly. Yeah. I think one of the beautiful things is when you do have that clarity on who it is that you do want to work with. And you start to put yourself out there, like you do attract those clients. So you're going to get into a place where instead of feeling like you have to say yes to someone who comes to you and says, Hey, can you, you know, can you do this for me? Can you do that for me? And you were like, okay, well, I better say yes because I'm not sure when the next person's coming along. You're actually going to be able to, to say, well, I can choose whether I accept them or not. Are they the right fit for me? And if they're not, you can refer them on. You can send them to someone else. I'm really specific in my messaging and pretty much I have, I'd say 99% of people who ever book a call with me or who engage with me on my stuff is an absolute great fit. And that's because I'm specific about who it's for. And yeah, every now and then there's a random that pops up. <laughs> I'm like, okay, how did you book a call with me? This is strange. Um, Weren't you paying attention? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly didn't read much of what I wrote there, but anyway. Um, that happens. Not everybody's, you know, detailed focus, but I, I would, you know, love, I refer them on to someone else. And I'm like, Hey, you know what? I'm not the best person for you, but I do know someone who is in that space or who would be a better fit, who would actually have more of what you really need, by the way, because it's not a service to me if I take on a client where I'm not going to be the best fit for them. And that's either, like you said, personality wise, energetically, we're going to clash you know, it's not going to be great. I had a guy once who rang up and, you know, I do say that I work with women. With women, I, Every now and then I have a male client because there is a really good energetic fit, but predominantly all women. Anyway, this guy got on a call with me. He said, I really want someone who's going to, you know, keep me accountable and like make sure I'm doing all of the tasks. And I'm like, oh, I am not your mother. 
you are a grown adult. <laughs> you are a grown ass man. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You're running a business and I am be your secretary. I'm sorry. So if you're expecting me to keep a task list and keep you onto task, we are not a good fit. And I got off that call going, well, Whoa. run a mile. So I, you know, I messaged him and I said, you know what, here are some people who might be a better fit for you. I recommend having a chat with them. I don't think that we're going to have the best um, working relationship if we were to work together. So sorry, but yeah. no thank you. And, you know, it was all good. He might have thought that was strange that I didn't actually want his business because he'd reached out to me. But I'm like, you know what, it's just not worth it because it would be absolutely terrible. It's not. And, yeah. You you are in the business of helping people develop lifestyle businesses that serve their life. They're, you're not in business to be a slave to your clients and your schedule. You're trying to create freedom and wealth and feel good about what you do. And working with clients that aren't a good fit is just going to, it flies in the face of everything you're trying to do. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, if I'm not living and breathing my own values and what I say it's all about, then what am I doing? That's just totally out of integrity, right? It's out of integrity with what yeah. I say I can help you with if I'm not living into that myself. So it's like, plus I've on got the flip, living the thing that I say that I can do. Otherwise, it's absolutely. <laughs> and on the flip side of that, how much joy is is there in working with amazing clients? Yeah, I there are some clients that I've had that I still call and talk to. We don't we, we haven't worked together in years. Like you, you've develop relationships. And then of course there's the word of mouth thing and all the potential referrals and stuff, but it just, it feels good to work for somebody who appreciates what you do and sees yeah. your value and mm. doesn't question the value. No, exactly. Cause that sucks. And I find like, you know, something that I've seen with clients before where they come to me often and they're, they're absolutely full, like their capacity is full, but the business isn't where they want. And they, they're in this place where they're feeling really stuck because they want to grow the business, but they're like, I'm also struggling because I've got no time. And of course, they're just doing all this stuff for the clients. So one of the first things I'm like, right, well, who is it that you're actually working with right now? What are you doing? What are these services? Are they profitable? Are these clients the right fit for you? And so often we can see actually there's a big chunk of time that's happening there where they're working with clients on non-profitable or really low profit low profit services just because they've been asked to <laughs> and they said yes oh, I'm I know guilty. I've they done can, that. they can do it you know and yeah I mean it's okay this is normal it's only when you kind of get that moment obviously they came to me and I was an outsider looking in so I could ask the questions I'm like well, what is it that you're doing and how much are you earning for that? So you, what, you're spending your time doing something you might earn $10 for when you could be earning $200 in that same time. Like that does not make sense. And you're not loving this client. They're difficult. They don't get back to you. So you're chasing them. Like, you know, Hey, this is not a healthy relationship here. What if you let them go? And they're like, Ooh, that would be, like, well, they might not like that. I'm like, well, they might not like it, but Hey, this is your business. Guess what? You're in charge. You don't have to work with anyone you don't want to and the funny thing is as soon as they will call let go <laughs> of the stuff that's not Release. serving them <laughs> as soon as they let go of the things that aren't serving them um and create space which sometimes feels a bit scary like oh should i do that what if nothing else happens guess what does happen that space gets filled people who match their ideal client and it just happens organically like they don't even go out there it's like 
I get this message like a day later going, oh, my God, you'll never guess what happened. I got this email through someone booked a call. They are my exact match for my ideal client and they've signed up already. And I'm like, wow, look what happened. You just created space. It got filled, but it got filled with the thing that you actually want. Amazing. Like that's what it's all about, right? But it's only because they got clear on who it was that they did want. They did the important niching process and then has, you know, part of that is the service offering that's aligned to who it is that you want to serve. So you've got to have alignment there. You know, you're going after, for example, I'm sorry, I'm going so detailed in this. No, it's I perfect. love it so much. Um, you know, say you identify your ideal client as someone who, is, you know, yes, they've got money and they're, they're prepared to invest in things that are important to them and they, they love quality and they really value these things. Then if you're going and offering a service that's a bargain basement, you know, what you'd consider to be a Walmart product if we're in the in the service, you know, if we've got a department store of services, then it's the Walmart department store and it's not a, a high street, you know, nice label one, then you're not providing something that's aligned to that ideal client. So even though you know who the ideal client is, if your offering isn't aligned to them, well, guess what? They don't buy because there's the no alignment there and they're not feeling like this is the right thing for me. So, yes, we need to know exactly who it is, but we also need to make sure that the other parts in our business, what we're offering, is aligned to that niche. That's why I always say from in my my business, my framework, and you know what I help people with, we always start with the niche because it is number one thing. Everything else aligns to it. You have to know that to have the clarity on what you're doing, who it's for, that special source, but then you can align your service offering to it. The pricing so much easier. You align the pricing. You align the messaging, the brand as well. Like think about it. How much more does that make sense? Then your marketing and sales systems, you align again to attract and bring in that person because you know who they are. You know what they're about, where they're hanging out, what they're going to need in terms of, you know, are they going to want a one-to-one call or is it something that they'll go on the website and just buy? You know, you can figure out what you need to be offering in terms of your process for them to engage with you based on what you know about them. And you're only going to know about them when you get clear and specific about who they are. And it makes every other decision then so much easier in your business is what you're saying. Like you can always come back to, well, who is, who am I? Who is my, what is my offer? Who am I serving? You always come back to that. And I think to circle back to where we started, it's not scary and it doesn't have to limit you. And it does not, it does not, reduce your opportunities for business. If anything, yeah. like you said, it, yeah. it exponentially increases. I think you and yeah. I talked about this a little bit when we did your podcast recently too, because your referral sources get, get a lot more plentiful because you're not competing on a lot of other areas. I, I don't, I yeah. don't want to mean competing, but you I know are, you, you are, Happily saying no. Yeah. You're happily (laughs) saying no to the things that don't serve you in your business. And so that means somebody else can pick them up. Exactly. And you know, it just, there's only benefits that come from it. So like you mentioned your referral network, well, guess what? When they're really clear on what it is that you do best and who you do it for, guess who they send to you? The right people. You're not wasting your time on referrals that you're like, well, they're not really the right fit, but they came from someone. Should I take them on? Because I kind of feel like I should because it came from a friend. Or, yeah, I don't want to let them down. Don't even get into that place because they're sending you the right people because they are clear because you've got clear. 
So there's only benefit that comes from it. And to your point about, you know, the opportunity, this is actually what I come back to. I come back and refine, redefine, get more clear, get more specific any time that my business starts to feel like it's slowing down. If I'm plateauing, if growth starts to slow, usually what's happened organically is that it started to get a little bit less specific. I've started to broaden out or I've started to do some things you know, in the parts of my strategy that maybe aren't actually specifically aligned to who I want to attract. I might have gone, oh, hey, someone's doing this thing over here. Well, that looks like a really good idea. I might try doing it, right? We all get that shiny object syndrome. Sometimes it seems like a really good idea. (laughs) And so you go off down some path and you're doing it. But you've always got to come back and go, is this aligned to my ideal customer and who I'm trying to attract? And does it fit? for me in my strategy because if it doesn't you're actually just wasting your time you're like you're you're fluffing around <laughs> you're spending yeah. time on something that's not important you've got to be really conscious of that time to me is my, one of my biggest values that is what you know i want to work as little as possible <clears throat> obviously have the most impact the most success for my business but you know really provide great value to my clients but i don't want to be working a full-time job Absolutely not. Like I design my business to work minimal hours, you know, school hours or less, child-friendly hours. Yeah. Um, so I can be around my family. And you've got to be really careful with your time. Like you only give it to the things that are beneficial to you. And think about that. We, we're taught that we decide on a niche, that it's supposed to be easy and it's supposed to be instant. It's not. <laughs> no. And we, we decide on that. And then we move on and we do the rest of the things and we never come back to that. And that's yeah. that's not how it works because our lives are not static. We are not static. Ideally, we're learning about ourselves all the time. Our clients are not static. The market is not static. Industries are not static. There's nothing static about what we're doing. So we should continually be like, I hate the word iterate, but it's iterative. It, it's a cycle it that we should revisit and we should always be looking at where we fit and how. So that makes yeah. perfect sense. Yeah, I think, you know, but it's if not, what not we're taught. doing that automatically. Like, obviously, I'm kind of, because it's what I help clients with, I'm obviously always in this zone. So I do reflect on my own business a lot. Yeah. But we, the thing is that you, you start off with the best is what you can come up with, right? And mm-hmm. when you're then doing it, you get moments of, you know, you get experience in it and you get things that you can reflect on and say, well, is that what I want? Or is that now in the what I do not want basket? So how am I refining and redefining what that niche is? And it doesn't mean every time you refine or redefine, you've got to go out and change all of your messaging or collateral or anything like that. But there will be either some subtle shifts that you can you can make over time to keep aligned with what is right for you. Or like I say, maybe you get to a point where you're like, wow, I've really stagnated or nothing's, you know, just feeling hard it's not working even if you've been in business for 20 years you know I get clients into business jam and I'm like right we're starting here because this is actually your core strategy for your entire business and marketing is central to your business without marketing you don't have clients so we need it regardless of what you think you do for marketing even if it's just referral based you still need this core strategy you still need to have a defined niche. You still need an aligned service offering. You still need those things and the messaging that goes with it because it doesn't, you know, it's irrelevant what you choose to do for your activity. This is central to your business and we need to come back and, and make sure it is aligned. If it's not working, it's probably because 
those pieces have got out of alignment or you've started to become less specific and go a bit broader and things have crept, which is cool. It happens. It but will like happen. Said, it will we happen. We just go, well, you just know that's something you come back to. And that's why my program, Business Jam, you know, it is a lifetime access program. I say to people, like, I expect you to continue to be in here. Come back here. Anytime it's starting to feel hard, come back. Come back and just ask yourself these questions again. Get clear, get defined and specific. And then you'll find all of a sudden, boom, the momentum happens again because you're able to get that clarity. And I have clients who have been in there since I started it like three years ago. They're still active and they're still in the group. They still turn up to, you know, trainings or coaching sessions I do because they know the power of it and they've experienced it. So they're like, yeah. As soon as they start to feel like they're slowing down, they come straight back in and get back into it again. There's a tremendous amount of freedom in that because it doesn't have to be perfect right now. It will never be perfect. It will never be done. Just yeah. like don't wait too long in between evaluations maybe. But but you know, if if you think that you have to, it's like a website. I used to work with clients doing copywriting on their website here and there and it would be like, it would have to be perfect and like everything, every word perfect. But I know we're coming back and we're going to change that and we're going to update it and we're going to add a page and we're going to take a page away and we're going to, you know, this is not, this is not something we walk away from and never visit again. No, it's not a printed brochure. (laughs) And that makes it so easy (laughs) to take action. That makes it easy to, to try this one thing and say, how does this feel instead of having to have all the answers right now? Yeah, I know. I I love that. That that's where I get stuck sometimes is like, well, I can't, I can't take action until I have all the answers, but yeah, you don't have to, we won't ever have all of them. Yeah. Well, that's it. Like your website, just like your business, they are living, breathing things and they will constantly be evolving. You know, they're not ever finished. The only time your business finishes is when you decide to stop it, (laughs) actually go, right. So I'm not in business anymore. That's when it's finished. But it is constantly evolving and growing, as are you. And I think that, you know, you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't reflect and redefine your niche because in your time of working and the experience that you're getting with your clients, you're actually growing. You're growing in your the value that you can provide. You're, you're probably getting some perspective on where you really shine you know and if you don't take that opportunity to then step into that place to really be that shining light and and attracting those right people who you can operate at that level for you're doing yourself and them a real disservice you know that that evolution is there we're we're meant to evolve that's what that, the universe is about right that's the point evolve. <laughs> that's the point yeah so, yeah, yeah. There's so never I, a time where you shouldn't be doing it. There, it could be done any day, every day, you know, anytime you feel you're not in that place right now, then it is time, <laughs> time to, to look at it. I love it. I, I think we have effectively busted the myth that niching <laughs> is hard and bad yeah. and like, it's not something to be afraid of. So, no, and it sounds like you're doing an amazing job with your clients, helping them see themselves and how they operate. And um, I know you have an offer, the five keys to clients on tap. Mm. Uh, so that's a, um, a free training. It takes about an hour or so. And I, I kind of step you through in more detail than what we've just done, but really like what are those five core parts of your strategy and how they align together. So you're going to get a taster of that in that training. So 
definitely worth um, an hour or so of your time. I know people tell me they take pages of notes <laughs> in that nice. training. So love to over deliver, but yeah, that's up on my website. So you can, um, yeah, I'll link to that for sure. Amazing. Thank you. Yeah. And then um, you also have the business jam. Just real, do you want to just share really quick what, what the business jam is? Yeah. Business jam. It's basically my signature um, program. It's, I'm going to call it, it's not a course and it's not just coaching. It's a mix of both. So you get a lot of online content that you can work through yourself at your pace, but then you're getting live coaching support as well. So it is for service providers. I work with online experts. So you're going to get used to putting that little word on. Calling yourself an expert. Crown yourself as an expert. (laughs) Um, You know, people who are in, like us, the professionals offering a service to either businesses or to people or maybe you're a coach as well and it's about what we've just been talking about you know obviously I'm very passionate about niching it is about your strategy so defining your niche your service offering and pricing and then your marketing so that you're getting those people to actually be magnetically attracted to you they turn up in your business and really for me at a higher level, it's about you having a business that is 100% suited to your life. So I'm all about, you know, let's make it easier. Let's not have make things harder. Let's not have long processes or say you've got to do, you know, post on social media three times a day. Like, honestly, whatever works for you will work. We've actually got to work on the strategy that is <laughs> what drives it, what underpins it. That is the thing. That's the key. And, um, this is why we get along so well. I'm sitting yeah. over here going, yeah, don't do it. If you don't want it, don't do it. Just do, do it. Do what works for you. <laughs> Just say no. Yeah. I love to bust through all those rules and all those myths that mm-hmm. really help you find the, you know, make the business that you want. Everybody is so unique. So the framework in there doesn't tell you how to build my business because that's yeah. what I've designed for me. It actually helps you make decisions and understand why you're making that decision. So. You know, really help you to get what these pieces are, how they fit together, how to define them for you, so you make it really unique to what you want that outcome to be. Now, how many days do you want to work a week? How many hours? What sort of work do you want to be doing? Um, the types of clients, you know, and then we design that strategy to give you that outcome, and obviously your revenue and profit um, that you want. You know, there's no point having a service if it's not going to give you the the outcome that you want if you're not yeah. going to earn what you need to earn we need to make it wrong easy for you. Mm. it should be easy it should be easier we yeah, should be able to spend time be. with our kids we should be able to go skiing on a wednesday if we want to or take a nap in the middle of the day or whatever it is but um i think you're right on right on the money i love the way your brain works thank you <laughs> I, I love this conversation well, i got I'm, so passionate about it when i left corporate because i was like you uh, know they were saying well you can't be a mum and be in the executive team. And I was just like, what a load of absolute rubbish. Like, yeah. of course I can. My brain is as good as it always was. It's not about being in the office doesn't make me a good worker or bad worker. There's so many people in there fluffing around and I can work from home sometimes and get way more done. So I just got really frustrated with this old school way of looking at things and thought, you know what, I'm going to show you. I'm going to create a business where I work the hours I want to work. I can travel as much as I want to travel. And I will make more than what I'm earning in your silly executive job. So yeah. just watch <laughs> I just me. To stick it to them. <laughs> just watch me do this my way and, and be happier me. than you are. <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, this year, as, I mean, you can't see my video when you're listening to this, but 
I'm recording this from a caravan. We are traveling Australia for eight months. Um, my husband and I and our two kids, 24-7 so in cool. a tiny house. <laughs> but, you know, it's my business and it's been growing while I've been doing it. So it only goes to show you that I am working less, I'm living more, and it's growing. So it is all possible. It's not about the old way that we used to think we had to work more hours to earn more money. Well, that's not true. It's actually yeah. about getting the strategy aligned. That's not true. Um, yeah. I feel, like, you. I feel like your uh, core value of time and my core value of freedom are probably very driven by very similar yeah. outcomes. <laughs> like, yeah. I just want to be free to do what I want to do when I want to do it. Yeah. I want to do what I want to do. I don't want anyone else to tell me <laughs> what to do. Um, you just and- mentioned the office thing too. I used to work mm. in an agency when Parker was really little and I was writing all the time. And the office was one of those marketing agencies that was really wide open and it was super noisy and I'm highly sensitive. So I'm trying to write and there's everybody's, they're playing foosball and drinking beer at noon. And I, I'm trying to write and my words are competing with their words. And I, I like, I could, but they wouldn't let me work from home. And so I think I got to work one, one like Wednesday from home or something like that. And I would get like basically everything done on Wednesday because I couldn't get anything done in the office. (laughs) It was like, it was like they're shooting themselves in the foot because I was so much more productive and happier at home. Yeah. So, I mean, let's rethink how, let's rethink these rules. (laughs) So that's why we do this for ourselves anyway. Definitely. Yeah. I love it. Well, so, I'm going to yeah. send everybody to your website, yeah. to the Business Jam, to that offer, the um, mag- Magnetic Clients offer, and um, and LinkedIn. Can everybody connect with you on LinkedIn too? Yeah, absolutely. I awesome. am on social media. I have a LinkedIn platform. So yeah, come and connect with me. That'll be great. Um, and if you like to be on any of the other ones, I am on Facebook, Instagram, I've even got a really crappy TikTok um, channel, which I probably uh, that's not crappy. <laughs> I no, no, I follow you on TikTok, and I watched you walk through walk through the back, what the outback. You oh took God. a scary walk in the outback, and I watched that. <laughs> watched you talk about that. So yes, go follow. I will link to all of those things. <laughs> I've just been doing it as an experiment, and it is really not. I'm like, do not follow what I do on TikTok and think that that's the right thing to do. I'm just. I just having it's a bit fun. of fun with it. It's fun. That's why I like it. I'm I was like, oh yeah, it's Jessica. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's very random. So I love yes. it. That's what I love about it. See something random. <laughs> That's what the personal thank stuff. You. All right. Well, well thank you. Right. I love it's love talking amazing. with you. And um and we'll do I'm sure we'll do it again soon. And there you have it. Another inspiring conversation with another amazing woman entrepreneur. Before you go, a heartfelt thank you for being part of the Ravel family. Your support means the world. And if you like what you heard, please consider giving your fellow entrepreneur a virtual hug by sharing this episode on social or with a friend. See you next time.